0: Chapter 11, before I begin reading the scripture, let me say what a great blessing it is for me to be here in this pulpit. I have preached several times here uh, in the past, uh, but Fran and I feel like we have come back home. We have been in Moss Point and Hattiesburg and had rich experiences there since we left Biloxi in 1990 and it's such a joy to have one of the families from Moss Point to be here uh, today and others of you that I know many of you, some of you I uh, haven't met and don't know what your name is, but I hope that uh, since we have moved back to Biloxi that we will get to know, uh, know you over the, the days and weeks and, and months ahead. Uh, so thank you for uh, all that you have done in praying for us and those of you the men who helped us move over a week ago, thank you for that great help that you gave to us uh, as we moved from Hattiesburg to here. Romans chapter 11 at verse 33, this is God's word, let us hear him. Amen. When I first uh, began pastoring, one of my first sermons was based upon the shorter catechism question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, of course, that all Presbyterians know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him uh, forever. But I think there's a greater question than that that needs to be asked, and that is what is the chief end of God? The chief end of God is to glorify Himself. And only God can do that. He's the Creator. He's the One who brought all things into existence. The universe belongs to Him. He is our God. And so I want to ask the question today as we think about the sum of it all here in, in Romans 11, verse 36. How big is your God? You have a big God? Is he the God that made the sun stand still for 24 hours in Joshua? Which meant that the earth had to quit rotating for 24 hours? You believe in that God? Or the God who made the sun go back 10 steps? You believe in that God? Is your God big? John Piper, the Reformed pastor in Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Uh, Minnesota, once asked the question at a Ligonier conference. He asked, how big is your God? As you leaned across the the pulpit. And he said, probably not big enough. He said, until you believe that God controls every drop of rain that falls on your windshield as you drive down the car in a rainstorm, until you believe that, your God is not big enough. Mind-boggling, isn't it? Our God is immense. He is beyond uh, the universe. He is eternal. He always has been. He is infinite. There's no beginning and no end of Him. He's incomprehensible. You cannot, by searching, find out God on your own. His judgments are unsearchable. His ways are past finding out. This is our God. This is the God of the Bible. Is this the God that you really believe in? Is this the God that you serve and worship this day? Until you believe that God is who He says He is, then your worship will not be very strong. You get your theology right about God, and your worship and your praise and your doxology will be exciting. But if it's not right, Your worship will be anemic. It will not be majestic or exalting. You will not want to shout out praises to him, and that's pretty hard for Presbyterians anyway, to shout out praises to him. But did you know that the Jews, when they worshipped in Jerusalem, the people all over Jerusalem could hear them as they blew the trumpets and as they shouted their praise out unto God? Perhaps you've seen the uh, Peanuts uh, cartoon where Linus and, and Lucy are standing at the, the window and uh, they're, they're talking and they're watching a downpour uh, of rain and, and Lucy says, Boy, look at it rain. What if it floods the whole world? <clears throat> and Linus responds, It will never do that. The ninth chapter of Genesis, in, in that chapter God promised Noah that that would, that would never happen again. And the sign of that promise is the rainbow. And Lucy, with a smile, then said, you've sure taken a great load off my mind. And Linus responds and says, sound theology has a way of doing that. Take a load off your mind and a load off your heart. Your understanding of God or your lack of it will drive the kind of worship that you bring to this place. Your understanding of God or your lack of it will drive the motivation of your life, the way you live each day. It will drive the way you think. It will drive the way you act. It will drive the way you speak. If your understanding of God is small, your life in His presence will be anemic if it exists at all. So we need to know this God of the Bible. We need to know Him in the way that He has revealed Himself in the written and in the living Word. We need to see and embrace what Paul says here about God in Romans eleven thirty six. 36. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Dear, dear people of God, listen to me. God is not a God away off up yonder somewhere who has made all things, who has made laws and those laws run on their own without him being intimately involved in those laws. God is intimately involved in his creation. He has control over nature. He has control over the affairs of men. Nebuchadnezzar recognized that. King of Babylon, after he'd been insane for seven years and his sense returned to him, he said, God is the one who controls the armies of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth, the God of the Bible is intimately involved in all of His creation. Listen, nothing, nothing happens in all of creation without God's sovereign control, without His carrying out His purpose, the sum of it all, through Him, to Him, and from Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. And that's what Paul is developing here in this passage of Scripture, in this most theological of all books of the Bible here in Romans. If you do not understand the theology of the book of Romans, you will not uh, like to respond to God's Word. You'll be like the Presbyterian preacher of another denomination, thankfully, who said recently that God is just a figment of our imagination. He said, I don't believe in, in God, yet he continues to preach in the, in the pulpit. And that perhaps might shock you, as it it well should, but we should not be so quick to condemn him. For do we worship the sovereign God of the, the universe, the God of the Bible, or do we worship the God of our own imagination? The God of the Bible is carrying out his purpose in the earth, and nothing, nothing happens contrary to his purpose. Yes, this is the key to comprehending anything about the living and true God. He has a purpose, and He's going to carry out that purpose for His own glory. He created with purpose, and that purpose will be fulfilled, and all the details of the existence of this world will somehow lead to that fulfillment. Is this the God you serve? Is this the God that you worship? Do you understand who this God is? until you know Him as He is revealed just here in Romans. You will not believe you're as sinful as the Bible says that you are. You will not worship Him. You will worship a God of your own imagination. You will not believe either that you need a righteousness. If you're going to stand before God, you need a righteousness that's not your own. It's alien. And you need that righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, if you're to be able to stand before a holy God. You will not believe that your only hope in this life and in the, and in the next is Jesus Christ. If you do not believe the, the theology of Romans, you will not believe that, that God says that He is the one who establishes relationship between a man and a woman, not a man and a man or woman and a woman. You will not believe that He is the one who establishes relationships between mankind and His creatures. You will not even embrace what you clearly see in nature, His eternal power and His Godhead. If you do not believe the theology of Romans, you will not embrace, you will not live out this truth that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone alone for his glory alone revealed in the Bible alone. In fact, you will continue trying to do the best that you can to stay on the way to heaven, so you think. There are some who will stand before the judgment, who will come up and say, Jesus, didn't we do many good things in your name? And you remember what Jesus will say to them, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And he will cast them from his presence for not seeing that it's, must be Christ in us if there is to be any life that is demonstrated in glory. Righteousness of Christ alone can give us the right to stand before a holy God. Get your theology right and your life will be right. See the sum of it all here. From him and through him and to him are all things. What's it mean, first of all, from him are all things? Do you really believe that? That from him... Are all things? Do you really believe that? Ephesians 1 says, God works all things according to the counsel of His will. Meditate upon what that means. When did that counsel start? In eternity past, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit counsel together and determine what all things would be, how all those things would occur, and what would be the end of all things. And then he began to create all these things and to bring them about uh, from out of nothing except for man, man being made of the dust of the ground. Now we believe that God created, don't we? He is indeed the creator of all things. And nothing exists or nothing happens contrary to his will. But here's the kicker. Do you believe that God has planned all things, including Satan and his fall? That God has planned all things, including man's fall into sin? Or was God surprised by Satan's fall and man's sin? What do you believe? What do you believe about this God who reveals Himself in the, the Scriptures? Does this God fit your life? Does your life fit with an understanding of who God is? Do you believe that God can bring all things for His purpose, even using the evil of Satan and the evil of man? Do you believe that? I I don't understand it, but I believe it, and I accept it, and I live by it. This truth is seen most clearly in Acts 2.23. Listen. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed By the hands of lawless men, wicked men, carried out the foreordained plan of God. Do you understand that? I don't. Any more than I can understand the Old Testament example, where Joseph's brothers uh, sold him as a slave and he wound up in in Egypt, and later on uh, Joseph became the second only to Pharaoh there in, in Egypt. Only God could bring such a thing uh, about. And Joseph's brothers had to come down to Egypt because there was a famine in the land. And eventually, uh, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. But after their father died, they thought that that he would uh, bring vengeance uh, upon them. But you remember what Joseph said to them. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To keep many people alive that the whole process that took place from them selling him into egypt that whole process was under god's control to keep many people uh, alive wow god's plan so some would ask well if god has planned everything then why does god or how can god find fault if he's planned everything how could we be at fault Paul deals with that in Romans 9, verse 20, where he answers that very question, uh, how can God find fault? And he simply says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Oh, what a mystery God's sovereignty is. Man wants to give advice to God. He does not want God to be God. It's not fair for God to be sovereign Over the affairs of men. But God calls upon us to believe in Him and to give Him the glory for creating and planning all things for His glory. From Him are all things. And secondly, through Him are all things. God sustains all things, there's nothing that He does not sustain. He sustains it by the word of his power. And that reference, of course, by the word of his power, is to Jesus himself, uh, who Hebrews says that the entire universe is upheld by his power. Hebrews 1 1, There was a Russian scientist one time during World War II, or right after World War II, who had bought a piece of land on which was a, a barn. And, and some refugees that's hidden in that barn, some Christians, uh, during the, the war. And after the war, they, they left. And he found a little New Testament in that, that barn. And he, he had always wondered, what is it that holds all things together? How, how, how come things are not just scattering? And he read in this uh, Hebrews 1 and verse 3, this passage, which says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And this scientist said, my goodness, who in the world is that? And he kept reading. And he kept reading. And God opened his mind and opened his heart and opened his eyes. And he found that this was talking about Jesus, the Son of God. And he believed on him. And he embraced him as his Lord and his Savior. Michael W. Smith sings that majestic song written by Rich Mullins, Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. We're called upon to bow before this awesome God and to recognize how it is that God carries out all things uh, for His own glory. And this is done, of course, through his works of of providence. Question 11 of the Shorter Catechism asks this question. What are God's works of providence? Listen. You've probably read this many times before, but just listen again. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. That mind-boggling? You believe that? He controls all His creatures and all their actions. The Heidelberg Catechism says, the almighty and ever-present power of God by which He upholds as with His hand heaven and earth and all creatures so rules them, listen, that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. Is that the God that you serve, the God that you worship today? These are just human documents, the Shorter Catechism and the Heidelberg Catechism. Are they consistent with, with Scripture? Listen to Isaiah 46 and verse 8 and following. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors, those who are in rebellion against God, them, and, and us. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel, that which took place in eternity past, shall stand. And I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will... Do it. Is this the God that you worship and serve this day? Let's get a little more close to home here. That even the wind and the rain, the snow and the ice, and all of these things are agents of God to carry out His bidding, even hurricanes and tornadoes. And for what purpose? How can there be any... Purpose in hurricanes and tornadoes. Listen to Job 37. These things happen from, for God's purpose, either for correction or for His land or for His love. He causes it to happen. You may remember that when Katrina was churning up in the Gulf of Mexico, it was heading toward Houston, Texas until just before it la- hit landfall, it turned more to the east and northeast. Who turned the winds? Who controls the jet stream? God does. And He does it for His purpose, either for, his, for correction, and we need to be corrected, for His land, if we've misused His land, or for His love that He might draw us closer to Himself. He causes it to happen. Good theology, dear people. Helps us to understand who God is and what He does. And it helps us to look forward to the end result. What, how will all this turn out? And so Paul says in the third place, to Him are all things. What God begins, He completes. The original creation was good. It was very good. And sin entered and marred that good creation. But the day is coming when God's creation will be again good. It will be gloriously good. And that's God's purpose to bring it about, to amaze His people. God has a purpose in creating and a purpose in sustaining so that at the end... All that is contrary to God will utterly be burned up and the beauty and perfection of His creation will be clearly seen. It will be good once again. This can only happen through that plan that He has made to send His only begotten Son that he would come and restore his people and restore his land. The land right now groans and travails because of the sin of mankind, but Jesus came to restore, and he will someday restore the whole of creation as he has restored you if you have come to know him as your Lord and Savior. If you believe in this God who can make the sun stand still for 24 hours, you believe in a God who can speak to your heart and open your heart and bring you to himself, even when you are kicking and screaming against him. Paul the Apostle was not seeking God on the road to Damascus, and God appeared unto him. John Calvin was a Roman Catholic priest, and he thought everything was okay until he said, God penetrated my heart. Has God penetrated your heart today? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? Do you know this God who's revealed in Scripture, this One who sent His Son to become a man and to be born of a virgin that you cannot bring about? Nobody can bring about. Only God could bring that about. And He came to satisfy God's justice, to take God's wrath upon Himself so that it would not rest upon you Has somebody warned you to flee the wrath to come, as John the Baptist said to the Pharisees, those religious people? Has somebody warned you to flee the wrath to come? You cannot escape the wrath of God until you come to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Only then can you truly praise Him. Only then can you bring glory to His name with your life and with your singing. What a great thing to know that God's grace has met your need, the, de- the deepest need of your heart, the deepest need of your life. Because then you'll want to shout out praise to him. You ever been to a football game and your team was winning and you didn't shout? Dear people, we're on the winning side. We need to shout out who Jesus is. We're in a battle. It's a battle against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world not against human beings and we're on the winning side we need to shout out every day that our lord and savior jesus christ is the king of this universe that's what he came to be and and to do to live out as the king of this universe is your god that big he can penetrate your heart even if you're rebelling against him He can draw you to Himself even though you're running away from Him. If this is your God today, you can sing "To God be the glory, great things He has done. So love to the world that He gave us His Son. And that's what we're going to sing as we come and lift our hearts up to Him. And let's pray first. Father in Heaven, we thank You for the wonder of who You are, that You have revealed Yourself as the living and true God. There is none other. You're the great God who can do all things according to Your purpose, and those purposes, Lord, are being carried out. And so, Lord, help us to sing, to You be the glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.